guys, welcome back to Revive School. You know, let's just call it the obvious voice-wise. Uh, it's been a rough week, and uh, we're just starting another week, and here my voice is just kind of shot, so we're just going to pray that the Spirit of God would just speak and move, especially through today's topic. Uh, today's topic is, uh, you know, I- I'm encouraged by this message. I'm encouraged by Paul. And, and you know, look at this. Think about this. He's, he's, he's telling Timothy that there has to be structure and, and balance. That's really what he's emphasizing. I mean, think about this. Here you have Timothy. Kevin, do you remember? He's in what, what city? Ephesus. He's in Ephesus. He's a pastor there. He's a younger guy. He's just trying to learn the ropes. And here you have an apostle pouring back into a younger uh, a brother, his son, quote unquote, son in the Lord. He says, hey, man, this is, this is how I've seen it done. This is how I want the things to be processed. And so keep that in mind in the backdrop. I want, to be, I want things to be done in order. And I love that he's talking about prayer first and foremost. And he says in verse one, first of all, then I urge. And here's what he does. He unfolds, you know, four different types of prayer. Four different varieties, quote unquote, of prayer. He's saying this is a priority, Timothy. Like anytime you integrate service, anytime you integrate gathering people together, men and or women, please don't forget prayer. And there he's, this is what he says. And, and I love these four words. And it's pretty straightforward. But he talks about the petitions, also known as supplications. He talks about prayers. He talks about intercessions. And then he talks about thanksgiving. Giving thanks. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made. And look what it says. For everyone. I love this part because, Kevin, what does it not say? If it's made for everyone, he's not implying. He's, like, not just for ourselves. Like, I want us to be praying for everybody. And I know that sounds kind of offering uh, obvious, uh, but the petitions, the supplications, it means, and Wearsby gives a great definition, you know, offering a request for a felt need. Okay, so that's what you're, you're offering a request for a felt need. So here we are, we're praying on behalf of others. Here is a felt need. And then I, I love this one. I urge that prayers. You're like, um, what? Aren't we praying already? Aren't we already praying? You know, but it's an act of worship, Wearsby says, not just an expression of our wants and needs. Like this is truly a form of worshiping the Lord. In other words, there's a reverence in our hearts as we pray to God. So take this as like, uh, you know, without going super deep, controversial, but scriptural, praying in the Spirit. You know, uh, there's times, Paul says, we need, we're praying in the Spirit. And so my point is, is like you're talking to the Lord, you're coming before, you're worshiping the Lord in prayer, but you're not necessarily articulating, I need a water heater. <laughs> you're not necessarily articulating, oh, my engine seems funny when I start my car. Lord, help. Like, that's not what we're talking about. We're literally talking to the Lord. We're worshiping. It's like a dialogue to our Father, to Abba. And then at the same time, so I'll just say it's a form of worship there, just, and I'll just even say reverence here. And then it continues on, Kevin, it talks about intercessions. Intercessions is <clears throat> translated petitions, it's translated prayers in 1 Timothy 4 or 5. In other words, you're drawing near to a person and conversing confidentially with him. Sometimes the prayer intercession, it feels almost kind of interchangeable, it suggests that we enjoy fellowship with God so that we have confidence in Him as we pray. So intercession, I'll just say you're drawing near to the Lord. At the same time you're drawing near to the Lord, I would even just say on behalf of others. So, but because you have fellowship, this is key, because you have fellowship with the Lord, right? You are then speaking 
on behalf of others to him. I think about our prayer teams when we go out on teams that are back in, we send our requests in, they're interceding. Yep, absolutely. So remember this though, Kevin, if you're not praying and having praying and having a worship time and a reverence time with the Lord, you don't have this confidence to come before the Lord on behalf of others. So it's, it sounds funny. You got to be praying in order to be interceding. Does that make sense? You can't just intercede. You can, but it feels off. It feels a little weird if you're not already in a posture and a position of already worshiping the Lord. Intercessors totally get this. Intercessors already have this understanding, this relationship with the Lord to go on behalf of others. And I think that's really important. And then finally, I love what Paul says. Remember, he's talking to Timothy. Hey, look, I want to have order in your gathering in Ephesus. So please don't ever forget to have thanks. Give thanks. I mean, I I don't know. Um, uh, (laughs) I'll write a, a definition of the definition. Give gratitude. There's gratitude, right? Give thanks for answers to prayer. You know, like yesterday, you guys, I mean, we, we constantly are praying for the Lord to provide for Time Revive. And, you know, here I go to the mailbox. Yesterday, I opened up a check, and the Lord had provided an amount just what we needed in order to hit payroll today. Like, thank you, Lord. Like, thank you for answering our prayers, our petitions, our intercession, like on behalf of our team. Like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for providing for our team. And that's what it's even talking about. Lord, thank you for showing up. In this way. Now, look, it says for everyone, but then look what it says in verse 2. Here's what I also want you to do, you guys. He says, I urge that these things are also made for kings and all those who are in authority. That makes sense? He clearly makes a distinction. He says, This is supposed to be for everyone. And then, Kevin, he goes to another whole different level, and he also says, For those in authority. You got to pray for them. Why? Why is it important to be praying for those as a president, to those that are prime ministers, to those that are vice presidents, whatever, whatever the context is? Why? So we can lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. I mean, think about it this way, you guys. At this time that Paul was writing, okay, he, he was, he's saying, I need you to pray for the godless emperor Nero. <laughs> I mean, this guy was, was crazy. Paul was in prison twice, okay, twice. First imprisonment, then he's released after 1 Timothy, and then he's in prison the second time in 2 Timothy. Like, it's never a good situation. And it's these people that he's praying for that are putting him in prison. And I think that's really key. That's really important. Why? So that we can live a... I mean, this just sounds like Psalm (laughs) 23-ish. Like, it makes me want to go lie in 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 a green pasture. Like, I'm praying for our president so I can just lie here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Nobody wants to live a crazy, chaotic life. Pray for them. So I challenge you to stop posting negative things about people. I, I challenge you to stop posting things about, I hate this person, or I really like this person, or I dislike this person. Just say, hey, let's be praying for president so-and-so. I think you can even pull it back farther. Pray for the leaders in your church. Instead of coming against them. I mean, you break it down even farther. Great point, Kevin. Because you want the body of Christ, you want your state, you want your, your country to experience this. Nobody likes somebody that's in leadership and then you're killing them and breaking them down. And I, I think what's really important, you guys, is in verse 3, look what it says. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. So 
Uh, you know, here you have the varieties of prayer, right? And then I, I love this. It Wearsby says, and then your objects are prayer can become the kings and the authority. And then he talks about the reasons because it pleases God. Like you want to learn how to please the Lord in your life. Just pray. <laughs> but when you pray, please understand this. Uh, don't pray to please man. Matthew 6, 5. It's pretty clear. Uh, when you pray, you are doing this to please God. Uh, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Don't, don't pray to please man. They love to stand, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Man, I'll, I'll never forget you guys when, when we've done Revive Whatever City. In certain communities, we've been accused of like you're praying to please man because you're out in the street corners. I actually, I think it's a legit argument because of this text. Obviously, they don't know our heart. Obviously, they don't know our context because the whole purpose of those interactions is to share the gospel. As you're praying, you're asking the Holy Spirit to move in a way that you can articulate the gospel. We're not out here just to pray so people can see us. So you have to understand like the context of why we're doing this. Obviously, you don't pray. In Luke, 8, Luke 18, you don't need to go there, Kevin. You're not here to, to impress the worshipers around you. So like in your local body, like you're not, hands are up. You're not praying because you hope that hey, look at Jimmy over there. He knows how to pray with his eyes closed. Or he knows how to pray with his eyes. Like we're not praying to please man. We're not praying to, to please the worshipers. And then here's what's kind of interesting. We're not praying because, it's, it, uh, because we, we, we need to be selfish about this. You pray because it pleases God our Lord. He continues on and he builds in verse four. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. Now listen to this. God our Savior wants, which I love that line. God our Savior wants everyone to be saved. Get it? It's like, in case you missed the first part in verse 3, why are we praying? Because it pleases God our Savior, and He wants everybody to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So can I just say this? Even when we're praying, we need to be praying that people come to know the Lord. We need to be praying that they all come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because this pleases God our Savior. He wants everybody to be saved. John three sixteen. it says, what, you know, Jesus died for the whole world. He didn't just die for all of us. He died for everybody. And I think that's really interesting. And he literally, is, it says, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray that all those that would believe would actually receive him. And then he says, verse five. And I think this is important to understand. The reason we can pray. Okay, this is huge because this is our one word for all of First Timothy. Okay, uh, the reason we can pray, the reason that we can have petitions and prayers and intercessions and giving thanks is because in verse five, it says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus himself, human. Okay, think about this. The only reason that we can talk to the father is because we have somebody in between us that's going on our behalf. Mediator. Okay, mediator. Uh, let me finish up verse six and then we'll come back to this. Verse six, it says, so this mediator, he gave himself a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Kevin, in your mind, what, what, how do you view a mediator? Someone who is neutral in a way in a situation and then he talks to both parties and doesn't have his own uh, ideals or motives in mind, but he has both parties. Both parties' motives in mind. Can you go to Job nine verse thirty-three? 
I think this is really interesting. When you take the Old Testament, one of the biggest complaints and the biggest complaint, there was no mediator. Like, yes, there was. Okay, we'll talk about a couple of them. Uh, But think about what Job wrote in Job 9.33. There is no one to judge between us, to lay his hands on both of us. Job's like, hey, look, who's going to speak on behalf of both of us? Like what you just said in between us. Now, in the Old Testament perspective, Moses, he played that part to some extent. In fact, if you go to Galatians 3.19, even Paul himself referenced Moses this way. And in Galatians 3.19, it says, why then was the law given? Uh, It was added because of the transgression. yeah, that will work. We can reference angels as well. Why was the law given? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. So the law was put in effect, which we know was spoken through Moses, and then through angels by means of a mediator. So here you have Moses and angels in an interesting way. I don't think of it like this, but Paul references this as a mediator. They are the go-between uh, between the people and God. Priests in the Old Testament played the same role. They played the same role. Okay, fine. We'll take this animal sacrifice. We'll come before the Holy of Holies. We'll come before his presence. And we're the only ones that can do this though. I mean, if a commoner, if an Israelite was to come on behalf of them, man, done, killed, struck down. Jesus can do this because he paid a price. Jesus gave his life as a ransom in Matthew 20, 28. It says he gave himself up. Matthew 20, 28 says this, says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he paid a price. The ransom means paid a price to, uh, to free a slave. I think that's really an interesting concept. Because he was willing to pay a price for those that were in bondage. That would be us. Because he said, okay, I'll give up my life so that you can be free. He can now speak on our behalf to the Father which allows us to pray because now Jesus is literally sitting at the right hand of the Father because he has uh, walked through the process to be our mediator. He's walked through the process to be our ransom. I think this is a really interesting truth because if there was no mediator, if there was no ransom, we'd have no effective prayers. Continues on in verse 7. So this whole message, Paul says... (laughs) For this that I just talked about, I was appointed a herald. Okay, he talks about this. I was appointed like I was appointed a preacher. That's what he's talking about. I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. And I, I, obviously they had a relationship like Rich and Tony and I do. Uh, no, seriously, Rich. I, I, really, I really did go share the gospel. Whatever, Kyle, you're out getting food. Or Tony's like, hey, really, guys? I, uh, you know, like, no, I'm telling the truth this time. I'm not lying. Like you have to go to the extra point. That's how I know these guys were fun with each other. And then it says, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I love these three qualities, preacher, apostle, and teacher. Why? I mean, this is Paul's purpose in life. This is who he is. And when I got ordained uh, through a local congregation in Indiana, uh, this was the verse that they gave me. I don't know. I, I love this. I love this, this truth. I, I really could just hang out here, but we got to keep going. In verse 8, so because of who I am, Paul says, therefore, remember Timothy, I want some structure to what we're talking about. I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. But, now look, okay, I know it says in 1 Corinthians 11, 4 and 5. Kevin, if you want to go there for a second for me. 
1 Corinthians 11, 4 and 5. Okay. Uh, it says, every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. It dishonors his head. Verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. So, all right. The point is this. Men and women can pray. Paul's not contradicting himself by using this text in 1 Corinthians 11. He's not contradicting himself when he goes to 1 Timothy 2. So when he just says, I want the men in every place to pray, he's not excluding women. He's just speaking specifically to men saying, guys, this is how I want you to pray. Kevin, when's the last time you've heard a message on prayer that says, by the way, guys, I want you to pray today. And as you're praying, I don't want you to come up front and bow your head and literally fold your hands, close your eyes. But that's how we perceive prayer. I don't think I've heard a message on that. No, I've never heard it. Mine was last week. <laughs> really? Yeah, Father's Day. And they, this is what they said? Yeah, our pastor got up and he, he used this verse and he said, I want all men to stand up and lift up your hands. Awesome. And he led us in a time of prayer. It was pretty cool. It's, that's awesome. So there is hope out there. Rich. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> Charismatic rich in the house. No, it's just biblical rich. No, Rich, I'm really telling you the truth. Are you serious? I'm not lying. Uh, okay. <laughs> but think about this, though, you guys. Every time you pray, men, in that context, I'm lifting up my hands. And I'm not saying he says close your eyes or not, but I think there's an interesting perspective of how he wants people to pray. Now, look, you can do a study um, of, of what prayer looks like in Scripture. First Kings 8, don't even try to go there, Kevin, it's fine. Uh, you're standing with your outstretched hands. In Daniel 6, they're kneeling. In Luke 18, they're standing. In 2 Samuel 7, they're sitting. Uh, you know, uh, in Genesis 24, there's a bowing of the head. In John 17, there's a lifting of the eyes. In Genesis 17, there's a falling on the ground. Different postures. But here's, this might sound kind of weird, but I'm just going to go there. Those postures express how you're feeling with the Lord. You're like, well, now don't bring in emotion. So we're human. You have to bring in emotion. And so there are seasons that you need to be instructed on how you can pray so you can learn how to express your emotions. There might be a season where you're like, you're falling on your knees. There might be a season of, yes, Lord, I'm coming before you. There might be a season of like, you're just kneeling and you're quiet. Like the point is, and this is really key, what Weersby writes, it's not about the posture of your body. It's about the posture of the heart. That's what we're talking about here. Is I want every person, man, you lift up your hands because your posture is saying, God, I'm with you. I recognize who you are. You're worshiping him. And like there's this context from your heart. Rich, your, your pastor just preached on this last week. So like culturally, we're not saying that was back then, are we? No, we're not at all. We're not saying take your petitions, prayers, intercessions, giving thanks back then was applicable back then. It was, but it's also for today. I say that because you have to have that complete understanding <clears throat> as you go into verse 9. You know, it's kind of like understanding the gifts. Please understand, I'm not here to divide. I'm just here to walk through the Word of God. Like <clears throat> in verse 8, we say, yes, raise your hands. When you're talking about the gifts, we say it's okay to serve, it's okay to teach. But if you talk about tongues, it makes people nervous. <clears throat> I'm not here to pull things out and say that works and this doesn't work. Like I want to look at it as a complete picture. So in verse 9, Timothy... Uh, Paul says to Timothy, hey, in the process, also the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, 
not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel. I'm just going to tell you this. Without knowing anything else, else in this text, I have three daughters. You know what I say to this? Amen. You want to know why? Because I don't want any boys coming chasing after them in junior high or high school. You're like, well, Kyle's got to happen sometime. Look, you get my point. Like, even when they're older in college, even when they're older, I want them to represent and reflect the image of God. They don't have to sell themselves based on how they're dressing. And so my point is this. In worship, if you see a, a woman that's dressed not modest, I don't care what guy you are, you're going to at least see that person. It doesn't mean you're looking at them lustful, but they will be a distraction in some form. Look, I'm not saying you can't dress well. I'm not saying you can't have heels. I'm not saying you get my point here. My point is, is you're not here to draw attention to yourselves. Please, in this context, dress decency and good sense. Like, you know, Maya's at a camp. And so, like, we have to talk about two piece or one piece. (laughs) Like, this is real, you guys. And why do you do this? In verse 10, it says, but with good works. Here, here's how I want you to dress yourselves. Please, it's not about what you're wearing, but I need you to dress yourselves with good works. Like, this is what I'm talking about. As it is proper for women who affirm that they worship God. So it's not in what you wear, it's how you express yourselves. I, I'm not going to read this, but my wife turned a certain age. <laughs> and we gave all of these, these uh, 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 adjectives that describe my wife. My kids came up with them, I came up with them. And what I love about it is, it's because this displays the image of God. Did we put the word beautiful? Absolutely. But we also reference 1 Peter 1, 3 and through 5, which says it's not based on how you are on the outside. And so I, I just want to emphasize, like women, dress yourselves with good works, because this is how you can worship the Lord. And then in verse 11, it says this, a woman should learn in silence with full submission. Now, this is important to understand something, Okay. Full submission. Submission is recognizing God's order in the home and in the church. And here's the key. I love what Wearsby says. And joyfully obeying it. So a woman learns and recognizes God's order. God puts some structure in place so there would never be this tension about, oh, I'm in charge. No, you're in charge. I'm in charge. That's not what we're after here. That word submission actually means to rank under. Okay, this is what we're talking about. It does. It has to do with authority and order, not value, you guys. Not value or, um, I'll just leave it at that. It doesn't have to do with, your, it has to do with the order and authority, but it doesn't have to do with who your value is or your identity. That makes sense. Think about this. And, and some of you might not like this, but I'm going to run with this. Remember, things need to be done in order. There's, there's a season that children submit to their parents. There's a season that employees submit to their employers. There's a season that citizens submit to uh, uh, like their government leaders. Jesus even submitted to the Father. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. So like there is this progress, like there's this model that God has put in place. It doesn't have to do with like, Like, you're less of a person. It just means that Kevin's role of putting all of this together for the screens and verses is just as important as the role that Rich Rich plays with switching and putting all this together, that Tom plays, like that I play. Every one of us has a different role, but there has to be structure in place. I mean, if Tom was constantly (laughs) trying to chime in, which doesn't seem to be the problem... (laughs) Like, there would be some weird, like, a little bit of tension. After a while, I'll be like, Tom, look, do you want to do this? Like, Tom? No, you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> P- 
please understand this. So like there's a, 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 there's a structure that he's putting into place. Some of you might not agree with this. All I'm trying to articulate is just the backdrop of where he's coming from. Uh, and he says in verse 12, I don't allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to be silent. Look, we haven't had very many controversial messages in Revive School. And if there's something that you don't agree with that I'm saying, like don't throw out all of Revive School. Please understand that. I'm just trying to communicate from my understanding what this looks like. You know, you might have more years of experience down the road and you'd be like, well, that young guy, he'll learn down the road. That's fine. Please understand that. Like, that's what I'm after. I'm just trying to, to it's just kind of like the pre-trib, the mid-trib and the post-trib. You're like, well, this isn't even the same. No, but you might have a different view. That's all I'm trying to get at. I remember when I went to Dallas Seminary, people had different views. I, I still went to class. I never quit my class. And so that's all I'm trying to say is, and in verse 12, Paul writes, I do not allow women to teach or to have authority over a man. But he, he doesn't say, like, you can't teach at all. In fact, women are allowed to teach. In, in Titus 2, 3, and 4, older women, they teach younger women. In fact, Timothy was taught at home more than likely, as we know in 2 Timothy, by his mom and his grandma. Like, there are times that women are absolutely speaking into folks. And in fact, even privately, I think this is really interesting, women speak into men's life. Obviously not inappropriate and obviously not out of context. But women have an unbelievable ministry in Scripture. Unbelievable. They ministered at the last days of Jesus. Think about uh, Dorcas. Think about Lydia. Think about Priscilla. The godly women in Berea and the Thessalonian churches. Paul said hello in Romans 16 to at least eight women. Phoebe delivered the divine letter. Like women clearly have a role with the word of God. They clearly have a way to communicate. In fact, my wife, she writes a daily word every day for revived school. Like there are different ways that people can speak into. Paul is just saying at this point right now in verse 12, I don't allow women to teach or have authority over man. She is to be silent. And then he gives his arguments. Why? I wish we had time for this. All I want you just to know is that he gives two, two main reasons in verses 13 and 14 why he says what he says. He says, for Adam was created first, then Eve. And so he gets into this whole component of creation. And then he says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. Like, there's a reason the order fell. The order that he had in place fell. The women, the woman took the role. Would you agree on this, Kevin? Rich, are you with me on this? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so like man sinned with his eyes wide open. He listened to his wife. He disobeyed God. The disorder came because there was a violation of what Wearsby says of God's given orders. And sometimes we've got to be careful not to push that envelope. To what extent, I don't know. I just know that this order got out of place. And then in verse uh, 15, uh, it says this, but she will be saved through childbearing if she continues in faith, love, and holiness with good judgment. Man, there's a so, so much there with verse 15. All I'll just say is this. Women absolutely has a place in ministry. Uh, you can get into this whole process. People do. I mean, look through birth. Uh, the Savior was born. Through a woman, the Savior was born. Jesus had an earthly mother. I just want you to be challenged, encouraged, and I would just be slow to speak and just process, what, what is Paul saying here to Timothy? If you're okay with prayer and the petitions and intercessions and giving thanks, I just would just say, what does the rest of the text say? By no means am I diminishing any role that God can use through a woman. In fact, I have qualities of my wife that I would say is she is an unbelievably strong leader in the Lord.
God's using her in an incredible way. Just like he can use any woman here in an incredible way. I would just say is this, just please do it according to scripture and in order. Uh, It's a hard line to walk. I freely admit that. Uh, And I might not be the best at it. But my prayer is, is that you would ask the Holy Spirit, what does this text say? And then how does it speak to your heart? Bless you guys and have a great day. Thanks.